Manhattan grand jury. Um, prior to the testimony, you should be aware that I had submitted to both Trump's defense team, Susan Necklace, and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, five packets of materials. Uh, I would say that in total, it was probably about four inches thick. Uh, I tried to get the Manhattan District Attorney to give the materials to the grand jury. That's the whole reason I produced these, most of which were compiled in 2018 and 2019. In 2018, I gave essentially the same information to the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, only after they notified me that Michael Cohen had executed a waiver of the attorney-client privilege. For reasons, I have no idea. Uh, frankly, it was a very stupid move by Michael Cohen, because now we were able to tell the truth about what Michael Cohen was saying at any point in time starting in April of 2018. So that's why I wanted to get those materials that I gave to the U.S. Attorney's Office and sat for a two-hour interview with them back in 2019, after which, you may have noticed, the Southern District of New York didn't do any business with Michael Cohen. There's a reason for that. He's totally unreliable. Today, after giving all those materials to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, out of 321 emails, they cherry-picked six emails to ask me about. And of course, they took them out of context. When they took them out of context, I told the grand jurors, I don't know whether this will ultimately come to fruition or not, I told them to ask for the entire packet, and I held it up. I said, there's 321 emails. You need to see each and every email, which follow in chronological fashion and give you the life history of Michael Cohn dealing with our firm. I understand that earlier there were some comments made by the folks out here that you were waiting for Trump's lawyers. We are not Trump's lawyers. We do not represent Trump. We have never represented Trump. So what's the headline here? How do you contradict what the basics of the fundamentals of what he's saying? How do you contradict that? Do you uh, what I'm going to do, ultimately, is release the materials that I gave to the Manhattan DA's office and to Trump's lawyers to the media and let you guys read everything. Because my only mission there today was to tell the truth about what Michael Cohn was saying at any point in time during the time that we were representing him. And what is that? Oh, very simple. In uh, April of 2018, April 17th, I believe, we met with Michael Cohn for the first time at the Regency Hotel at his request. Uh, Michael was in a manic state. He told us that he had contemplated suicide, that he had been up on the roof of the Regency Hotel the weekend before, seriously considering jumping off because he couldn't face the enormity of the legal problems he knew were, were coming his way. His office had been searched, his home had been searched by the FBI pursuant to a search warrant, and he was imagining the worst for himself, although at that moment in time, he still hadn't been charged with any crimes. So. Michael Cohn, uh, in that state of high anxiety, when he said to us numerous times, I'm looking for a way out. I need an escape hatch. How do I do this? I need to know what my options are. And his options were, as he mentioned, he said, do I have a chance for a pardon? Do I have a chance for commutation? I'm not sure he understood what that term actually meant. Do I have a chance for a cooperation agreement? He said, I don't understand why they did this to me because I was already cooperating with the House and with the FBI. Of course, he forgot to mention that he lied to the House, uh, for which he was later convicted. So 
I, of course, following my obligations as an attorney, explained each of his rights and what he could do. Would you have evidence that he did not pay off Stormy Daniels on behalf of Mr. Trump? Well, here's That's what he did. Yeah, the heart of it is that Michael Cohn told us that he was approached by Stormy Daniels' lawyer and Stormy Daniels had negative information that she wanted to put in a lawsuit against Trump. So Michael Cohn decided on his own, that's what he told us, on his own to see if he could take care of this. So he sat with the lawyer for Stormy Daniels. They negotiated a non-disclosure agreement for $130,000. So I said, Michael, where did you get the $130,000? Is that Trump's money? No, it's not. Well, where did you get it? Did you take it out of your own account? No. Again, how did you get it? I took out a HELOC loan for $130,000. I said, why would you do that? He said, because I wanted to keep this secret, even secret from my own wife. He said, if I took $130,000 out of my account, she'd know right away, and I'd have to tell her what's going on. I didn't want Melania to know. I didn't want my wife to know. With all due respect, Bob, yeah. he signed a, uh, a waiver of your agreement. He did. But you're still violating the trust that he put in you. No, I'm not. He, I am... I am honoring my ethical obligation. I've listened to Michael Cohn stand in front of the courthouse and say things that are directly contrary to what he said to us. My obligation is to bring the truth to both the district attorney and to Trump's lawyers. That's exactly what I did. I sent them all of this material that I talked about before. I have, I don't know, 330 emails in chronological order. I have a memo of, a contemporaneous memo of the first meeting at the Regency Hotel. I have a memo of the two-hour meeting I had with two assistant United States attorneys and two FBI agents in April of 2019. Um, I have a memo of a meeting that I had in May of 2019 with the House Intelligence Committee, three of their staffers, one of whom was Dan Goldman, who's now a congressman. So based on your testimony, there may be another witness on Wednesday. Do you know who that might be? No. They, allegedly, the other witness is Michael Cohn, who's going to come in and say, I guess, what can he say? That I'm lying? I have the documents. Now, the problem here is that the district attorney has so far not provided all of those documents to the grand jurors. I have nothing to, nothing to hide. All of those documents were provided to the U.S. Attorney's Office. They did the smart thing. They looked at Michael Cohn. They said he's a convicted perjurer, and there must be 100 instances in those documents of him lying to us. So they said, we just can't trust this guy. You can't rely upon him. But if you have a receptive audience for the grand jury, did you feel it? Did you need skepticism in that room? Well, that's an interesting question. You have, uh, we counted them up, 21 people sitting there. I mean, you can certainly tell some people were nodding their head yes, as you are right now. Uh, and some people just sit there with a stone face. Um, I think two or three of them had masks on, so you couldn't couldn't read anything. But I was very surprised that one of them didn't say, yeah, give us the rest of the documents. We had an argument in front of the grand jurors about why they're not giving them the documents. He said, some of that stuff is hearsay. I said, really? Actually, those documents were made and maintained in the regular course of business. They constitute business records. Business records are an exception to the hearsay rule. So in other words, I'm saying, give everything to the grand jurors. Let them see exactly who Michael Cohn is and was at that moment. And during that first meeting, this is important, he said, we were there for two hours at the Regency Hotel, he said maybe every three or four minutes, 
he'd be talking to us while pacing like a wild tiger in a cage, back and forth, back and forth. He was really frazzled. He looked like he hadn't slept in three, four, five days. And he'd just suddenly stop in the middle of talking about something, point at us, and he'd say, I want you guys to know, I will do whatever the F it takes. I will never spend one day in jail. He must have said that close to 20 times. This was his mantra all day long. You think a guy whose mindset right at that moment is, a lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody, whatever it takes, I'm not going to jail. Well, he went to jail, and now he's on the revenge tour. I understand it, but I don't condone it. And that's why I went in there today to tell these people the truth about who the real Michael Cohen is and what he was actually saying at that moment in time. Did you get any questions from the grand jury? Yeah, we, we probably got, I don't know, what did you say, six or eight, Adam? I'd say ten. Ten? Maybe ten. Oh, I don't know. Can you remember exactly the questions? They were, I mean, I don't remember. Clarification. Just clarifications, but they were asking clarifications about the six emails. There's 330 emails. And I said, folks, you can't take six emails out of context and ask a question. No wonder you're confused. If you read all the emails, you would see that they followed in a chronological fashion and they made sense. One email would be in response to something that just happened before. But when you cherry pick, you're misleading. No, not yet. Uh, I'm sure that I will speak to my client, Rudy Giuliani, and, and tell him, and uh, at some point, I'm sure Trump will know. Yeah. Did Rudy urge you to do this? No, I, I'm the one who decided to do this. A lot of people cautioned me against it because I had nothing to gain. The only thing I'm doing is trying to tell the truth to the grand jurors because I read all these lies in the, in the media that are being promoted by one side. If you see the full picture, you know, listen, if they want to go after Donald Trump and they have solid evidence, so be it. But Michael Cohn is far from solid evidence.